Greetings and salutations to you all. This is Dee Dee Moonflyer. Welcome to Twilight Tonic, your weekly voyage to points distant and parts unknown. We'll discuss all things paranormal, spiritual, weird, and wonderful. So if you're ready, grab your favorite tonic, your best comfy chair, and let's begin. Happy October again, everyone, and my second guest in October, I am so excited, is Rob Guttrell. He has a series called Pets in the Afterlife. He has four of them, amazing books. As you know, everyone, I'm an animal freak, and you got to read these books. His second series, and we're going to be talking a lot about this tonight, A Medium's Vacation, which is going to be fascinating And that's also a book series. He has two of them, and a third one is on the way. And Ghost and Spirits, four of them. They're a series, and you can get these on Amazon, everybody, and they are worth the read. So, Rob, how are you tonight? I'm doing great, Didi. Thank you for having me back. Thank you so much for coming back. Tonight, we're going to talk about Medium's Vacation. Yes, uh, it, it seems like uh, ghosts don't give a medium a, a vacation. Break. <laughs> <laughs> Never. <give> a break. <laughs> yeah. So there are, you know, when you go on paranormal investigations, you're expecting certainly uh, if someone has reported something paranormal that you're going to encounter something. But when you go on vacation, you're on vacation. You know, you don't expect to be uh you don't expect to be talked to from a dead person. Right. That's what's happened to me in many places I've been. It's that light of yours, Rob. Oh, well, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, what I found is that the the ghosts seem to be able to read anybody who can connect with them, who can pick <laughs> up their energy. And uh, I think that living people that have this ability are like a beacon to them. And mm-hmm. so they... They come to them and they try to get some, you know, some messages through to them. So where, I mean, you're on vacation, you're minding your own business. And they just approach you in the, in the evening when you were settled down and resting, or did they just come straight for you? Oh gosh, it didn't matter what time of day it was. Uh, they, <laughs> they came for me as early as five in the morning um, and as late as uh, midnight. So it it really didn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but but to just backtrack a little bit for those folks that don't know me, other than uh, as a pet medium, um, I I developed this or I became aware of this ability back when I was thirteen years old. My grandfather appeared to me and okay. scared the daylights out of me. <laughs> of course, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But but my mom wound up confessing uh, that that she had the ability, that my grandfather had the ability, so it ran in her family. And uh, and I didn't do anything with it. Uh, as you know, I didn't do anything with it until my sure. puppy Buzz passed in 2005, and then he blew the off of everything. So, Yep, animals can do that to you. 
they do. Well, they're all about love. Yeah, they really are. So when you found out you had this ability in 2005, where did it take you? So it really, it took me in the direction of communicating with Buzz a lot. And Mm -hmm. Buzz, um, I used to journal. So that the all my journaling became the basis of my first book. And uh, while I was writing my first book, Ghosts and Spirits Explained, my dad passed away in 2008, three years later. And my dad helped me prove to my, my mom and my brothers that he was at his own wake and his own funeral, <laughs> which is a crazy story. But um, wow. and that's in the book, Ghosts and Spirits Explained. But uh, and then from there, it was just places I went. Mm. So just to backtrack a little bit, when you wrote A Medium's Vacation, can you give my audience a little bit? Where were you at on vacation? Sure. Well, it one of I want to be being in different places when they they started coming to me in, in bits and pieces. But the biggest place, uh, the the place where I found the most ghosts were in England. Mm. I, I went to England in uh, 2012, and um, I didn't go with with any idea about writing a book. I went to explore England. Right. <laughs> so, um, but I keep a journal with me wherever I travel so that I can write everything down. And then after we come back, I can look it, look it over and remember all the good memories and so forth. But mm-hmm. uh, did you have to tell you, I, I use that journal to sketch out ghosts that I met, mm-hmm. to write down information they shared with me. And then when I came home, I was proving their identities. Wow. Yeah. So England, um, that's, that's, so that was my first book in the series, Ghosts of England on a Medium's Vacation. And I went with the, um, so I went on this vacation to England um, with my husband who loves British, uh, he loves the Tudor history and the Tudor period. That's his thing. I know nothing about it. Mm -hmm. Well, I didn't. (laughs) You do now. (laughs) I do now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I learned I learned quite a bit of it from dead people. Um, so so he planned the trip with uh, with this travel agent across the pond vacations who did an amazing job. They put us up in uh, castles uh, that have become luxury bed and breakfasts, and just we went to all of these amazing Tudor era places. Um, wow! And I never expected to run into so many ghosts. Um, so have you ever been to England? No. And you know, the British Isles are on the top of my list now. I've been wanting to go for a long, long time and you know, and I can't say unfortunately, because I'm very lucky. I got to go back and forth to Turkey, um, four times and, and live there 30 days and over when I was doing dance research, which was a cool experience, but the British Isles, has and Scotland and Ireland have always been in my heart. Oh well, well that's good to hear because uh, the next book I'm writing is Ghosts on a me- Ghosts of Ireland and Scotland in a Medium's Vacation. Really? <laughs> yes, yes. I I took a separate trip to uh, to Ireland and Scotland and uh, ran into a lot more dead people. And um, <laughs> I love that ran into dead people. <laughs> they were fascinating. 
Um, that is so cool. I bet that was beautiful. It was. Um, so Ireland is a Ireland is a beautiful place. Uh, it's not very populated, which was interesting because when you drive from one side of the island to the other side, you don't see many people. Oh, <laughs> which is hmm. amazing. But England, on the other hand, good gosh, uh, London was crazy. And um, the, I, I have to tell you, my first experience that I put in, in the book was walking by the remnants of Whitehall Palace in mm. London. Now, Whitehall Palace was one of Henry VIII's biggest palaces, it's supposed to be the yeah. biggest palace of Henry VIII. Um, there's only, I think there's only a tower left standing and, um, the banqueting hall was a piece of it. And that, those are the only structures. Um, and of course we're walking by and I, I know nothing about it. And out of one of, out of the remaining tower walks a woman in a very elaborate dress. <sighs> and, um, I, I turned to Tom and I said, oh, she, she must be like a reenactor or something. And he said, there's nobody there. <laughs> and I said, oh, she's, right, she's right there. She's wearing that dress, and and then I looked again, and then she faded right in front of me. And um, when I got home, oh, well, I had I actually stopped right there in front of the the tower, and I sketched her out, and she's in my book. And mm -hmm. when I got home, I checked the um, I checked the style of dress, and sure enough. <laughs> That, uh, that style of dress was was one from the Middle Ages. Oh my goodness! From the 16, 1660s. Yeah. So <laughs> that was pretty funny. Um, I thought, okay, this is a crazy way to kick off a uh, you know, vacation. <laughs> no vacation for you. <laughs> yeah. So, have you ever heard of Westminster Abbey? I have. Yes. So that that's the place where they have all the royal coronations. Mm -hmm. um, wasn't King Charles um, the third just coronated? I believe um, so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we had, you know, of course, I I never heard of it until I until I got there until I was standing in front of it. But um, there's a really cool story that I can share with you that mm -hmm. happened in there. Um, first of all, the it's known for having the ghost of a monk walking around. Yes. And I did, I did see him. <laughs> um, <laughs> but what was odd, what was odd is that um, uh, Tom, my, my husband, was standing in a, in a part of the uh, Westminster Abbey where they had buried a couple of the kings. And he, he called me over and he said, do, do you smell that? And I'm like, I don't, I didn't smell anything. And he said, no, 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 it smells like a rotting corpse. How could you not smell oh. that? And I thought, well, I'm glad you're smelling it and not me. Really. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about your luck, Tom. <laughs> I know. So, so that became the way in which his ability uh, blossomed. Whenever he smelled that odor, mm -hmm. there was a, a ghost around him. Andrew, that's interesting. Yeah, he can have it. Yeah, I, I don't <laughs> think I would want that particular ability. <laughs> no. So as we walked around, um, and and I always get a headache when I'm in the presence of a ghost because their their mm. energy overloads my brain. Right. But um, so I was able to confirm 
ghosts where he in places where he was smelling this odor um so we were kind of tag teaming but we stood in front of the tomb of anne of cleves mm-hmm. you remember anne of cleves yes you know she yes so for, for your, the folks that are listening to uh to the show anne of cleves was one of henry the eighth's wives yep and um his six wives and she was one that was not beheaded but, right. She but, she got to stay alive. <laughs> to keep her head on. Uh, <laughs> um, but we were standing in front of her tomb. And here's what's weird. Now, I want you to picture this. If you're standing kind of side by side with your husband, but he's 20 feet away to your left. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you're both looking at the tomb. At the very same second. It was as if somebody pulled the hair on the left side of my head and the right side of Tom's head, like they were standing in between and they pulled our hair at the same time and really pulled it. And we both looked at each other and we thought we had pulled each other's hair trying to be funny, mm-hmm. but there was no, we were 20 feet apart and there was nobody there. And he said, you, you pulled my hair. And I said, you pulled my hair. Uh-oh. And it was, it was a ghost. Mm. <laughs> that was freaky and very uncomfortable and very uncomfortable you know so they you know they can they can do whatever they want if they have enough energy certainly mm-hmm. um, so that was uh those two incidents right there were my introduction to england and it only <laughs> snowballed <laughs> did you get any sleep rob uh for the most part, I did because I, I, um, we were in newer hotels, but mm-hmm. that's a great question because that is the title of one of my chapters. <laughs> it, it was the ghost in my bedroom in Thornberry Castle. Mm. So, so, so here's what happens when I, when I go into haunted places, ghosts, like we mentioned, they want to communicate with you because they yeah. can sense that you can hear them. Um, so Thornbury Castle is uh, a castle that was built in the Tudor era. Um, it was, um, it was in the Planted Jeanette family. Um, the Planted Jeanette family was a family that was rivals for the throne to Henry VIII. Mm-hmm. So of course he didn't like them. <laughs> so what did he, what did he do? He lopped the head off the guy that, that was building Thornbury Castle. Of course so he did. He was, yeah, so <laughs> he just wasn't nice. He's always beheading everybody. <laughs> it was like a sport to him, I guess. <laughs> it was gross. It was gross. It was very sick. Um, so that castle stands today, and it's half finished. Mm-hmm. And, but the part that's finished, they turn into a luxury bed and breakfast. Wow. That's cool. And, yeah, and it's really cool. So in one part of it, the, there's two parts that stand that are operational. One part, uh, both parts have uh, hotel rooms, or if you will. Um, there's also a large dining hall, and that used to be the that used to be a bedroom where Anne Boleyn uh, slept when she and Henry VIII visited, and then. Off of that, there was another bedroom where Henry VIII slept. They never slept in the same bedroom, mm-hmm. um, probably because he was uh, he snored. Because, I mean, he was a large man, so he probably he snored. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, 
So we stayed in the other part of the uh, of of Thornbury Castle, and we you had to go up kind of a spiral staircase because it was a tower, and it opened up into an an old um, a big room. And they had, of course, big draperies, big rug draperies hanging from the walls. And the walls were all stone. Mm -hmm. And um, they had a, and there were, there were a couple of windows and they had bars on them. Mm -hmm. But the minute we walked in there, uh, Didi, we could both sense that there was a man there. Mm -hmm. And long story short, um, uh, he, when I was in the shower, then he started coming through and giving me messages using the with the water energy. He told me his name was Rupert. Um, he told me that he was associated with a battle mm-hmm. and he died nearby. Um, and he's and he was haunting the place because of the battle, but he didn't die in the battle. And I couldn't figure that out. I figured it mm-hmm. out later. Right. And that's all. I'm but but you asked about sleep. Mm-hmm. So at night. The one night we were there, I said to him, okay, Rupert, look, I know you're in this room. We need a good night's sleep because we have a long drive tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And he says, please don't wake me up until at least the sun rises. Well, that was pretty dumb because at the, end- <laughs> <laughs> at the end of May, the sun rose at 5 a.m. Uh, um, <laughs> I know. Yeah. You know, in, in foresight, mm-hmm. in, in hindsight, rather, it's... <laughs> mm, coffee's not ready by that time. How, don't know. <laughs> so here's what he did. I, each window had an iron grate, and the grates were locked from the inside, mm-hmm. where you had to drop a pin in them to lock them. All of the two grates and the windows in our room were locked, and they were very tight. Well, at 5 a.m., the pin came out of one of the grates and it slammed open against the uh, against the stone wall, oh. making making us jump out of the bed, <laughs> mm-hmm. wondering what happened. And then I noticed the sun is coming up and I thought, oh, I'm so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> well, you told him, don't wake me until the sunrise. <laughs> I know he well. He you know he was respectful of that, but I was like, "Gosh, next time, <laughs> think about what you say before you say." It was a very good lesson for me. And you know, their time is very different, so that was just a blink of an eye for him. <laughs> I yeah, this is true. He's probably like, "You had plenty of time." <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, they, I mean, so I I always tell people that that ghosts and spirits are energy, and it, it's really mm-hmm. about location. So. There, when we die, the energy within us couples with memories, personality, knowledge, and then, and then we choose to stay earthbound, uh, if if we want, and that's what I call a ghost in a fixed location, or we cross over and and uh, become a spirit, mm-hmm. um, and go into into the light, and you know, then we can go anywhere, anytime. But um, so. When I came home, I found out this guy was a prince. He was in battle and 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 so on and so forth. And there's a whole chapter about about mm-hmm. Prince Rupert and uh, the hauntings there. Um, he also made something really weird happen uh, with the bed um, because he made it feel like we were sleeping on stone and hay. 
And oh. it was it was the most uncomfortable night of sleep ever. Yeah. Um, so when we get back, you know, um, <clears throat> ATP called uh, vacations called called the um, Thornberry Castle and said, "Look, that bed." Uh, <laughs> My client says he loved, they love the room. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and it is haunted. But um, they said the bed was just awful. It felt like sleeping on a stone floor or, or like with boards on their backs and, and sleeping in hay. Mm-hmm. And, and they said the mattress is brand new. Oh. So what Rupert did was while we were sleeping, he made us feel how it was when he slept on stone floors. Ooh. Um, so, so ghosts, I didn't know ghosts could do that, but they certainly can. So if they're so energy, was, I would assume they could, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So the, that was, that was kind of him. There's more to it, but um, there's so many different dead people in, in England. I could go on and on about that. Um, but the other book in the series is called Ghosts um, of the Birdcage Theater on a Medium's Vacation. Yeah. Yeah. So have you been to Tombstone, Arizona? I have not. And you're like the fourth person that has brought that up to me. Okay. Have you seen the movie Tombstone with Kurt Russell and Val Kilmer? Yes. Okay. Well, cool. Well, then you pretty much know Tombstone because in in the movie, the movie is what inspired me to take my first trip out there. Mm, interesting. Um, there's something odd about the birdcage. Not the birdcage itself, but mm-hmm. something odd about Tombstone, about Wyatt Earp. I became enamored with Wyatt Earp, and I couldn't understand why until I actually set foot in the town. And then I had immediately a past life experience. Uh, did you know him? I, I think I probably knew him from afar, mm-hmm. um, but when I did a past life regression, I was a minor in the 1880s, and I had a hound dog and lived in a cabin, a wood cabin. Wow. <laughs> oh. Yeah. And so here's here's how I know this. Um, so when we first, when I first visited Tombstone, it was 1994. There were no cell phones. There were no, no internet. There was no digital maps. There was no nothing. Mm-hmm. You know. Do you remember those days? Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm Gen X. Yeah, <laughs> okay. I certainly do. <laughs> so all all I had, I went with a friend of mine, and um, and all we had was a big map of the entire state of Arizona and Mm -hmm. tombstone was a tiny little dot on the bottom on the South. That's all we knew about tombstone. Um, other than, you know, watching the movie, right. Which was shot in a, that was filmed in a, um, in a lot, in a uh, studio lot. They rebuilt, they stick built the town of tombstone in this studio lot. Wow. And, and, and you know, it, it it was not none of the buildings that they had in the movie were where they are in the town. Well, of course not. Um, so, <laughs> so I so 
when and so I went, my friend and I went, and I convinced him to dress up as Doc Holiday, and I dressed up as Wyatt Earp, and I thought it'd be really fun to see the town that way. Mm-hmm. I was young, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you thought it was a good idea. Yeah, and it turned out to be fun. But the minute we walked in that town, uh, Didi, somebody, a tourist came over to me thinking I was a reenactor, and he mm-hmm. said, "Where's the courthouse?" And I just looked at him and I said, if you go down two blocks and take a left, and then you go down one block, and take a right, it's on your left-hand side. Mm-hmm. And, and my friend looked at me and goes, what did you just do? <laughs> <laughs> you just got here. You don't know where the courthouse is. And, and I looked at him and I, uh, you're right. I don't. I have no idea where the courthouse is. So we followed my own directions and sure enough, it was exactly there where I said it was. So he, so for years we pondered how in the world did I know exactly where that was? Mm-hmm. And now I know. Yeah. Past life. Yeah. Yeah. Those... Have you had a past life um, experience? Oh, I had a career based on my past life. A 30 year career. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Can you elaborate? Yeah, I am. Um... I always wanted to be a dancer ever since I was a little kid, and my parents got me into the ballet, and they mm-hmm. they brought me to the best school in the area where I lived in Dayton, Dayton Ballet, and they just couldn't afford it. After the more I advanced, the more expensive like the toe shoes got, and the more expensive everything got. And I was around fourteen, and I was watching a National Geographic special, and it was on Egypt. And this belly dancer came out. And I sat there and I, I just watched it and I couldn't I couldn't stop listening to the music and I wanted to be with the people. And I was like, I know that. I know that. Well, I started to take lessons. And then I ended up going to California in my 20s to a huge convention. And I studied with a man before named Mahmoud Reda. He was a famous mm-hmm. Egyptian choreographer. He made movies, like their form of beach movies. He was amazing in Frida. And it was just amazing. I was in awe, of course. It was California and I was young. And the week before I went there, I had a dream that I was sitting on my grandfather's lap and he was dark and it was in France. And he was a very dark complected man with a mustache and I didn't know what it was. And, and we were around a campfire and this Nazi soldier came over and he told my grandfather in the dream. And it's so vivid. I can't save you because you're too old. I will try to save the children. And I looked up at this man and it was my brother. And I looked at the dog that he had, the German shepherd and I swear it was the dog I owned at the time named Oz. And I looked up at him again in the dream. And next thing I knew, I was being put in a truck and I was gassed. Oh and my God. I ended up studying Romani Turkish Oriental um, dance. So I did a lot of research on the Turkish Oriental and the Romani, the gypsy. And they were I didn't realize it at the time. They were all over France. Wow. The Rama were all over. And they were killed in trucks or brought <sighs> to the concentration camps. But they were annihilated. Oh, my gosh. How horrible. And then um, my mother, and I didn't put two and two together for many years. 
my mom, she was talking about my great-grandfather, her grandfather on one side, and he played the violin and read tea leaves. And he was from, he was French, and he'd always talk about the imps in the barn. And I, I wondered if that, as part of my heritage, the, the Rama from France. Wow. So I'm, okay. I'm working on my genealogy to see if that's the case. But yeah, and then I ended up dancing for 30 years of my life. I ended up being a teacher and a performer everywhere. So yeah. And I was ready to retire. When I retired, I could breathe again. That's amazing. It's like I had to get rid of it yep. in order to breathe again. Yep. And exactly. I'm happier now. I miss dance and, and as in general because I love dance. But let me tell you, it was like a huge, ginormous weight was lifted off my soul. Wow. So, yeah, I based my career on one of my lifetimes. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Well, it does, you know, so <clears throat> I found that it does influence <clears throat> our decisions in this life. Mm. So, you know, because I became enamored with, with Wyatt Earp and I, I traveled, there were like 10 years of my life where every year I'd go on vacation and I would go to different places that he lived. Um, and I had a dog in my previous life, and now I work animal rescue, and yeah. I write pets in the afterlife, and we have three dogs. So, yeah, absolutely, it it definitely does. Um, we we draw from our our past lives. Now, when you were there in Arizona, did you want to stay? Did you have this compelling need to stay for a while? Actually, no. <laughs> oh, that's fascinating. I, I felt like I felt like the time was the time was past. Um, and what's what's interesting, I think I can relate that to the history of, of the town of Tombstone because the, the town of Tombstone was um, it, it re, was founded in 1879 when a, a silver mine strike was uh, was made. And mm. um, Ed Shefflin, the miner who made that strike, named the the strike Tombstone because. Soldiers in the nearby fort at the time in 1879 told him he would only find his tombstone in the desert. Hmm. So when he struck silver, he called it tombstone. And then the town was built. And in uh, and 10 years later, in 1889, the silver mines flooded and all of hmm. the money dried up. Um, so the town was basically shut down. And it only supported like a hundred people until it reopened in the thirties wow. when uh, one of the deputies that was associated with Wyatt Earp's raid, uh, you know, um, came forth with the story about Wyatt Earp and what had happened. Mm -hmm. So fascinating history, but I think it's really cool though. It is, it is. And when I went in 2019, when I went back in 2019, I asked a friend of mine who had no paranormal experiences to come with me, mm -hmm. and I told them they started offering ghost tours. And I said, now that I'm a medium, it could be interesting. So yeah. he said, he said, okay. Well, he saw two ghosts, <laughs> photographed one of them in a mirror, and saw the other one in the doorway at the same time I did, and I sketched them out. Mm -hmm. Um, so he came out of there with a different attitude. Um, <laughs> I bet he and, did. 
<laughs> you did. You did. And he's like, I think I have an appreciation <laughs> for what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, so in my book, we I talk about the 11 ghosts that I met within the two-hour period. And um, some of them made me feel their pain of death. Ooh, I was shot exhausting. in the back. Mm-hmm. I was shot in the throat. I was shot in the chest. Um, and uh, as it turns out, I, I was able to prove each one of these men that were, were killed there by that manner of death with the tour guide. Wow. The tour guide was able to confirm that these that men died in this particular manner at this particular spot. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> so it's really it's a it's a, it's a short book, but it's fascinating. Um, I think it's really cool. Thank you. I really I really like how I think the thing I like about that whole thing is is the past life things that you felt and that you knew mm-hmm. and you were almost it was almost like you were brave enough to dive into it and i really like that that's very difficult to do sometimes well i think we both did the same thing yeah <laughs> if i would have known i would have ran no just kidding yeah no <laughs> But I just, I just think it's fascinating. It's, it's like revisiting and reminding ourselves um, there's more than just one life. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, <clears throat> absolutely. Um, so for, <clears throat> for any folks that plan to take a trip out to Tombstone, Arizona, mm-hmm. then they might want to pick up uh, a copy of the Ghost of the Birdcage Theater on their meeting this vacation because they still have those ghost tours. And if you're at all sensitive, you may be able to find or feel some of these different ghosts. I mean, there were ladies of the evening. There mm-hmm. were there were um, there were gamblers. There were um, drinkers. There were all kinds of uh, rowdy people. There were 26 murders wow. in the Birdfields Theater in an eight-year period. Wow, were a lot of them the women. No, they're mostly men. Oh, yeah, yeah. Some of the women were murdered. Um, there was one. There was one lady of the evening. I think her name was, was Gold Dollar, and mm-hmm. she murdered um, another um, lady of the evening um, mm-hmm. over a man. You oh, know, my. these men always cause trouble. Of course, <laughs> she, yeah. she was hoping to get married and be whisked away. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what she was hoping, but. So, yeah, so there were a couple of uh, women that were murdered there, but mostly they were men. Mm -hmm. And um, three of them that I met that shared pain of death, uh, all were cheating at cards because. Oh, yeah. The Birdcage Theater uh, had four different things going on 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Mm -hmm. It was it was not only a theater of live performances, but it was it was a a saloon. There's a Mm -hmm. big bar in the front. Um, it was a um, a place of legalized prostitution, and it was a gambling den. Wow! So, yeah, so there was a lot. There were a lot of things going on there. And did uh, a fun little fact for you that um, the uh, the basement of the Birdcage Theater had the longest 
poker game in history. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Um, So poker was um, played 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And Mm -hmm. every time somebody would lose whatever money they had, somebody else would be waiting to take a spot. Mm -hmm. Um, And the game went on for eight years, five months and three days. Oh, my gosh. Continually. That would oh I couldn't take it. <laughs> it would be like I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah, and from what I understand too is that in order to get in the game, you had to pay the equivalent of a modern day one thousand dollars. Oh my gosh! Somebody made money. Gave... Yeah, so, yeah. Well, it was a birdcage. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's no too much, too much for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to be a gambler. Powerball, maybe. <laughs> well, yeah, that's a little different. Yeah. <laughs> um, we all want to win that. <laughs> we do. We we do. Except um, you and I would end up with, in a, with a farm sanctuary or a dog sanctuary or something. <laughs> yes, that is absolutely true. Yeah, yep. I'd be in trouble. <laughs> so you wrote... That one, but you have a third one as well coming up. And that, is that the one in Ireland? It is. Um, Ghosts of Ireland and Scotland on a Medium's Vacation is something that I am writing right now. I'm halfway through it. Um, and I'm hoping to publish sometime in early 2024. Wow. Can can we get a sneak pre- preview of some of the some of the beans or some of the spirits that you communicated with? Sure. Well, I will just tell you, uh, the most haunted place in all of Ireland that I ran into was the Cork City Jail in Cork County, Ireland. Oh, I bet. Um, Yes, there were. I took a photograph down a uh, gated off um, corridor Mm -hmm. and you can clearly see the shadow of a man walking from one side of the corridor to the other. Oh. (laughs) Because I heard something and I turned to look and I took a picture without Mm -hmm. knowing what I was taking a picture of. And there's the shadow of a man walking right in the middle of the corridor and disappearing into the wall. Mm, Creepy. (laughs) I think I'm going to make that the cover, I think, of my book. That would be kind of cool, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So... How did you feel while you were there? I mean, it's so it looks so beautiful and majestic. I haven't got a chance to go to those places. So did you feel at home? When I was uh, when I was in Ireland or mm-hmm. England or Ireland. So, so uh it was it was peaceful. Um <laughs> it was it was nice. There were so many beautiful parts of, of Ireland. We went to the Dingle Peninsula, which is on the Atlantic. Mm-hmm. And just gorgeous. Um, and it was there that that Tom had a past life experience. Really? Yes. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. And it was totally freaky. Um, but, uh, yeah, I can't wait to write about that in the book. I haven't gotten to that part yet. Um, so we both had past life experiences, me and <clears throat> me and Tombstone and in Ireland mm-hmm. um, but so I Ireland is really a beautiful place um, 
it, but if you're afraid of the paranormal, don't go to Cork County. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not afraid. I'll go. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, Dublin was really cool. Oh, I bet. Yeah. So, so we just, we love that. Um, but I, you know, I also want to go back to England mm-hmm. because there's so much to see in England. There's so many parts of England. Uh, we went to Bath and York and um, Windsor and, just gosh, everywhere. Um, in- England is just fascinating with history. Um, Ireland seems to have less in terms of uh, the much less than England, of course, mm-hmm. in terms of castles and, and structures that that stood. Um, but it sounds very um, wild to me, like a lot more. It's open. Yeah, green, very green. Which is appropriate. (laughs) (laughs) Did you feel any elementals while you were there? I did not. Yeah, I did not. Um, And, and, you know, honestly, I I did my best to try and, like, not pay attention (laughs) (laughs) because I was on vacation. You should know better, Rob. Just just know better. Anytime you go someplace. Yeah. <laughs> um, gosh. You know, I, I in, in my first book, um, or my second book, Lessons Learned from Talking to the Dead, I, I mm-hmm. relayed a, um, I conveyed a story where I was even on a cruise ship. <laughs> I was on a cruise ship. And it wasn't a ghost that I ran into. Mm-hmm. It was the spirit of a woman's uncle. Oh, geez. Um, <laughs> yeah, I would. We were sitting having lunch in the on the cruise ship, and, and you know this was vacation, and I'm not thinking of anything. And suddenly, I hear this this man sitting next to me, mm-hmm. and there was nobody next to me physically. And he told me his name was John, and he's the <laughs> uncle of the woman that's sitting three uh, three tables back. And I'm like, and I I remember looking at Tom, and I'm like, what, what? <laughs> And he said to me, what's going on? And I said, oh, there's a dead guy. He's sitting right next to me. He wants me to go talk to that woman three three tables back. And Tom's like, don't you dare. <laughs> <laughs> you did, didn't you? <laughs> I did. Of course I did. And uh, yeah, I said, you, you get up and you go out and I'll go over there. And so I did. And sure enough, she said, oh, my gosh, that's my uncle. That's my uncle Jack. And. And he said that he was talking about something about a, a leather book that, and mm-hmm. he, he he went to Ivy League schools and, and she said, oh my God, yeah, he was an attorney. He went to Ivy League schools. And and I said, well, you know, he <laughs> he's here with you. And and she came back to, uh, she, she found me later in the cruise and she said, I can't thank you enough for telling me that. Oh, well, it and is I, a relief, you know? Yeah, but you know, I, I, I've learned too that I have to be careful who I tell. <laughs> some people think you're crazy. I you know. know. Um, but fortunately, she was very receptive and she was very grateful. Um, but it can, like, like you said, it can happen anywhere. You know, I'm sitting on a cruise and there's a dead guy sitting next to me having lunch. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Are you ever going to go to New Orleans? Oh gosh, I've been to New Orleans. Oh, I bet um, I bet it's like a parade there for you too. <laughs> so here's the thing. I went to New Orleans um 
just before my abilities uh, re blossomed. I went the, I, it was 1995. Yeah, it, it was 1990. It was the year, yeah, 1995. It was the year of Hurricane Katrina, as a matter of fact. Right. Um, it was like 10 years before my abilities came to the surface again. Um, and I felt very uneasy there. Oh, it, it is. It has a strange feeling. I love it there, but it has, yeah. um, I think I went there in 93 or 94 a couple times. I really love it. I love the culture and I love mm -hmm. the history, but you're yeah. right. It's got a very different feel to it. And, and honestly, one thing I remember, uh, because I'm a meteorologist and mm -hmm. uh, New Orleans is eight feet under sea level. Yeah, it is. All I could think of, and I specialize in tropical meteorology, hurricanes, if you will. And mm -hmm. all I could think of was, oh my gosh, this is going to be... New Orleans is going to be in some serious trouble if they get hit with a, a major yeah. hurricane. Yeah. And sure enough, later that year, like two months later, mm -hmm. Hurricane Katrina. Absolutely. Yep. Over a thousand people drowned. I know. In, yeah. Yeah. It's probably not so, a good place for you to go now. <laughs> no. No, uh, I, I, I'm sorry, but I'm sorry, sorry, folks who are listening to New Orleans. Um, you know, I love your, I love your town. <laughs> great yeah. music, great food, Absolutely. great fun. But yeah, but um, uh, uh, there's too many dead people there hanging out. Um, oh yeah, and you know, I, I can't even go to Gettysburg. <laughs> I was just going to ask that. <laughs> yeah. How about uh, Gettysburg? I learned, that, <laughs> I learned that the hard way. I went to Gettysburg and it was like, honestly, it was like 10,000 people screaming at me for attention mm -hmm. at the same time. It was overwhelming. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. There was a place I used to go to as a little girl. Um, my grandfather on my dad's side helped build the dam in Niagara Falls. He was, an, he was a mason. He was an engineer. Oh, wow. And there was a Fort Niagara and it was a fort, and it was in the same little town that he was in. And we'd visit almost every summer, and I always loved it. But there was always, I'd always tell my mom about the one soldier, and I'd see him every time I went. Wow. That's and amazing. I just loved going. I don't know. I, I was always excited about seeing him. <laughs> it was like, are we going to the fort? Are we going to the fort? <laughs> <laughs> Even as a kid, I was not afraid of this stuff. <laughs> like, ready to go. <laughs> wow. Well, that's pretty cool that you weren't afraid. No, and I think I think it's because my mom had abilities and raised us that it was just part of nature. It was normal. Okay. It wasn't until I went to school that I realized it wasn't <laughs> In the average family. Yeah, yeah. Like she, she taught us about Edgar Casey. We went to his foundation when I was 13. Oh, wow. Um, for my 16th birthday, she bought me a real crystal ball, you know, tarot card. You know, she was just very open. She was very Catholic, but she was very open. Studied the Course in Miracles, automatic writing. So it was just something I was always around as a kid. And she encouraged the abilities that we each had. Oh, that's great. So I just accepted that that was normal all, you know, growing up. I left home early, but I always just accepted that's just part of life. 
It's very interesting um, because my mother, my mother, father were also Catholic. My mother's Italian Catholic, but mm-hmm. um, and she had the ability, and but she was afraid to use it. Oh, um, yeah. But in 2005, after my abilities came back, really, um, my mom, my mom and I talked every single day, especially after my dad passed. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the first thing she would say is she wouldn't even say hello. She'd go, "Oh, tell me about the dead people that you talked to this week." I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> I love your mom. <laughs> I'm like, can you say hello? <laughs> she wants to know what can the you... dad have to say. <laughs> I, I, I'm like, mom, how are how are I? Uh, how am I doing? Or you know, how are you? Or, can you say that first? No, no. Nope. She wants to know how what you communicated you? with. <laughs> <laughs> now, is your mom yeah. still alive? No, she passed in 2013. Yeah. But uh, she's there. Oh my gosh, she she has sent me. She sent me countless signs, and and she she makes she makes my husband say things that she used to say all the time. No, that's cute. <laughs> no, it drives me crazy. She channels her all the time. I'm like, oh my gosh, my mother would say that. Uh, You're like, stop, honey, stop. <laughs> yeah, but I get him back because uh, his his um, late his late partner from 1996, Ed, is the guy that I wrote the book Kindred Spirits about because mm-hmm. Ed has <laughs> Ed, Ed and I have become friends over the last 18 years. You know, and, I love that. I love that. Yeah. yeah, so so he channels my mother and I channel his late partner. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, I'm talking to Ed right now. <laughs> yeah, I said, I know, I know a lot more about you than my mother can tell you. <laughs> I love that. I think that's awesome. He doesn't, but yeah, I I think it's funny. (laughs) You know, I think when we pass over and we really loved somebody, you know, I think we always just want the best for them because I think out of body is completely different than in body. Yes. I think that angst and that anger, and I think we can let it go. Now, not everybody, obviously, they can keep that. But I don't know about you, and it's my time to come. I just want to let everything go. Oh, yeah. I, I'm with you. Yep. It's just not worth it, you know? So, Rob, out of curiosity, you work with a lot of animals as well. I do. Yeah. And your dog that passed, he's the one that awake, awakened you into your gifts very strongly that you have now. What do you think it is about animals that people are so drawn to communicate with? Like I know for myself, if I'm around an animal, I'm happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's because um, it's be- because they're not really temperamental like humans and they only everything they do really is out of love unless they were um trained to be adversarial like like before before we came on we talked about a couple of dogs that you know were kind of uh aggressive toward other animals but they were trained Uh to be that way um but for the most part animals have pure hearts and I don't, I don't think humans do. And I think that's right. why we're attracted to them. Right. And I don't, I just feel like what, what we tame, 
we are responsible for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And we don't honor the animals on our planet enough. I absolutely agree with that too. Um, I think that we, I think those of us that that feel a very close attachment to animals, we we treat them as our children. I mean, I have three dogs, and they are my children. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, they come first before anybody else, including my spouse. So, <laughs> does he know this? <laughs> he says it all the time. <laughs> He's like, how come they eat first? Well, they always... they're my children. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I um, yeah. brought an Amazon pair at home about six years ago. <laughs> oh my gosh! And now I have a, now I have an animal that actually will talk back. Yeah. And she will don't, say no. <laughs> don't they live to be forty years old or something? She's already, she's in her 30s. They can live to be 50 to 60 in Amazon and may sometimes longer. Wow. And um, her owner approached me. At, I, I went to a bird show. And at bird shows, they have bird auctions. And I hate that. It makes me really sad when I walk in. I can I can almost feel all the confusion. These animals, they live so long. And they get very attached to you. Like highly attached. And they're, I look across across the room and there's Maggie there's this Amazon parrot and she's blinking at me and and we we can't stop looking at each other so I go over thinking you go over you you are not going into this auction you don't believe in these auctions you're not doing it well my best friend behind my back goes and pays for an auction ticket while she's watching this this little man approaches me he goes you like this bird I'm like I love this bird. It was like I was in a trance. He's like, will you bet on my bird? I want you to have my bird. I was like, oh, no. I go, okay. And I turn around and my friend already has my ticket. And I was in a bidding war with another guy. And I I thought I didn't get her. I got her. I didn't have a cage or anything. Meanwhile, my friend bought raffle tickets I'm not kidding. Two minutes after I got Maggie, I won mm-hmm. a $300 gift certificate and I bought her cage. A brand oh new gosh. cage. Well, if there wasn't a spirit on the other side guiding you to take care of that bird, I don't know what that was. And I tell you what, that bird is sassy. <laughs> she is, she calls the vet a killer. Um, oh. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Before she used the restroom on the floor, she looks at me and goes, "Uh oh, I'm like, no, she is smart. They are intelligent. I, I, I tell and they do bite. They will bite. She's never bitten me. She's bit my husband. No, she did bite me once, <laughs> but we're bought. She's bonded to me and it, they are, they are something else, Rob. Wow. You need to talk to one. You'll be like, oh, my God. <laughs> I have actually channeled a couple of, of them um, <clears throat> and done readings from them. Mm-hmm. Just just a couple. But um, yeah, they're, they're fascinating. They're characters, man. <laughs> and she does one other thing you would love. She always knows when I'm talking to a male guest. Now, she's not in here tonight. But when she's with me, 
out of the blue, mm-hmm. she'll go, I love you. Oh. And she'll okay. wait until it's completely silent. And the first time she did it was like one of my first shows. And I had to explain to the guy that that was not me. <laughs> because what oh. is that? Did, what'd you say? I'm like, I have a bird in here. I said, I'm really, really sorry. I said, that was not me. <laughs> that's, that's, that's funny. That is classic. Yeah, she's, and she waits to on the phone, like with credit card people paying something. And, you know, because they're automatic. And if they hear anything else, you never get to where you want to be. She'll talk the entire time. So I have to actually leave the room or leave the house. Wow. Yeah. She's mm-hmm. a smart ass. <laughs> So there you go. Animals are amazing. Yeah. Yep. So when you read animals, what is one animal that really, really, that you did a reading for that made you stop and go, wow? Oh, gosh. It, well, the, uh, there was one this, this past summer that made me stop and go, wow, because of the... Um, what I got from what, what he said to me, mm-hmm. um, he was a rabbit. Really? Um, interesting. Yeah, it was a rabbit. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> His name was Wudge, W-U-D-G-E. And, um, and he said to me something that I use now whenever I give my lectures. Mm-hmm. He said, um, because his dad was feeling, uh, a little guilty about something. Um, And he said to me, tell my dad, love is nothing to apologize for. And I just thought, wow, that's pretty powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's powerful. So that was surprising. Yeah. And that came from a rabbit. Wow. (laughs) Well, I always think rabbits are very magical anyway. I love bunnies. They are. Yeah. Now, can you communicate with the wild ones as well? Do they communicate with no. you? They're very different, yeah, aren't no. they? Yeah, I can't. the only reason I can't is because they're, well, because they don't know our language, they don't know our habits, our routine, mm-hmm. you know, they, they don't know anything about us. They, they live in their own world, uh, if you will. So um, only if an animal, if a wild animal has been domesticated, like squirrel or rabbit or mm-hmm. something like that. And th- and they get to know you know because they're very uh, um, they're very observant. Yeah. They 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 can they learn day parts. They learn dinner time. They learn you know all kinds of things. Words they pick up on words after a while. Words mm-hmm. they keep hearing repeated. But no wild animals. Uh, there's no connection. Interesting. Yeah. I always found that fascinating. You're not the only one that has said that to me. So I always find that really oh. fascinating. And how are cats? Because I always think cats, I always feel they communicate differently than dogs for some reason. Do you find that so, to be true? Um, cats tend to be more independent thinkers. Um, mm-hmm. they, they, they certainly have the same love and affection, although they sometimes they're a little reluctant to show it. Um <laughs> <laughs> but but I think that's a that's just a that's just a uh, a behavior thing. Um, you know, it's just like people that feel affection to somebody that they 
they don't want to come on too strong. Right. Because they would push them away. You know, the, the other person may get intimidated or push them away or something. I think, I think it's almost that way with some, some of the cats. Yeah. Uh, they don't want to come on too strong, but, but the love is really there. Okay. I always wondered, because I always feel like cats are very different than my dog. They are. Yeah, they're, they're certainly different. Yeah. You know, dogs, <clears throat> dogs will run to the, they'll run to the door and jump all over you and, and cats will wait for you to open the door and go, um, should I go over? <laughs> <laughs> is it time to eat? <laughs> is it time to eat right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, my, my whole series of pets in the afterlife books, um, really run the gamut on the different personalities from dogs and cats. And in fact, my latest book is pets in the afterlife Four mm-hmm. messages from spirit cats. So, um, for anybody that has a cat, you can pick that up and you'll see all the different ways that your, that your cat could possibly communicate with you. And, you know, it's interesting. We have a cat spirit in my house and my cat plays with it all the time. Oh, wow. <laughs> and it's really so, funny. It's hilarious. Is that is it a visiting spirit that comes and goes or is it a ghost that's earthbound? You know, I'm not quite sure. My It was funny because me and my, my husband saw it around the same time I did. And he accused me of bringing in another animal. And I go... Which animal? What color is it? He goes, the black and white one over there. And I'm like, um, that black and white one just went through a wall. <laughs> He's like, you're kidding. He goes, we have a ghost kitty. <laughs> I yeah. love it. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I call him Jeeves. Jeeves is, yeah, yeah. yeah, he plays with the other ones. That's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Wow. He came with the house. <laughs> <laughs> He's not leaving. Okay. He's a house cat, apparently. He must have been somebody's house cat here, is what I'm assuming. Yeah, so you know, it's, uh, that, that's another uh, another point. <clears throat> I know we we strayed way off the ghost and mediums vacation topic, but um, this is really fascinating, is that <clears throat> I've found that about 99 <clears throat> or 98% of all pets cross over. Mm-hmm. And... and just a very small percentage stay behind. That's interesting. I wonder why. Um, so what I've come to find out is that the ones that stay behind um, <laughs> usually stay behind because the pet parent is still alive and they're so reliant on the pet parent that, oh. that they wait. Uh, when the pet parent passes, sometimes they don't cross over with the pet parent mm-hmm. and they get stuck. Or they wind up enjoying being where they are. Oh, that's true. Um, yeah. Um, that happened in England. I met a ghost dog in a, in a house-turned-museum. And, you know, when when we walked into that museum with Sir John Soane, he was an architect in, in Britain in the 1800s. Um, when we walked into his museum, now a uh, former home, there was a little dog, a little black and tan dog running around. And I, and I said that to Tom. I said, Who, why would they have a little black and tan dog running around in this museum? Mm-hmm. And he said, there's no black and tan. <laughs> Poor Tom. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so when I, when I talked to the, when I talked to one of the, the docents that worked there, they said, oh yeah, yes, many of our workers have seen 
our employees have seen the little black and tan dog, and that's Fanny. That was the dog that belonged to Mrs. Johnson. Oh, wow. So, and Fanny likes to stay around the house because just loves running back and forth and always loves to greet new people that come in the door. So Fanny is enjoying her afterlife, greeting mm -hmm. all these new people that come in the museum. I think that's cool. Yeah. Huh. So her story is in my Ghosts of England book also. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good way to wrap it all up, right? You, you just cannot escape. You can't escape, Rob. Right. <laughs> That's all right. Well, I am excited about your book coming out, the one in Ireland and Scotland. That's going to be a real joy to read. I can't wait. Thank you. I'm excited. Maybe you can come back on after that's out so we can talk about it. Yeah, I, I would love that. Um, and the thing I like to tell people about my Ghosts on Mediums Vacation books is that they're all about stories. They're all about my experiences. Yeah. You, you won't read them in anybody else's books. Um, and, and as a scientist, I have to prove the identities of the people that I talk to. Mm -hmm. So you will find that you will find that proof in my book. See, I think that's awesome. And fascinating, yeah. you know, because scientists often want to disprove, but I love what you're doing. I think that's really cool. And it's really cool that it goes with your gift as well. Thank you. And thank you for, thank you for taking care of all of the animals in the world. <laughs> well, I mean, you too. <laughs> I think when, I, I think when we, we pass over, we'll, we'll be up there and we'll probably keep running into each other because we'll be hurting all of the animals. That we helped. Yeah, at least that I will be my habit. <laughs> so, what's next for you, Rob? Well, until I finish that pets in the air, I mean the uh, the um, Ireland book. I um, I do I do pet readings on the weekends um, <laughs> for a small fee, and I do them by email. And I am now booking into September 2024. Wow which is insane because yeah. um, I never honestly set out to do pet readings. Um, I, I always just want people to read the books and learn how to do it themselves, but mm -hmm. the demand is great. So that keeps, keeps me busy. Um, I, I'm doing a lot of, I have a lot of appearances with animal rescues up in the new England area. Mm -hmm. um, one in two weeks, one in November. Uh, if folks are in New Hampshire, um, I've done them in Maine, Massachusetts, uh, Rhode Island, just everywhere. So they can go on robgutro.com and look under events to figure out where I am. Um, and um, that's enough. I mean, you know, I still work full time as a meteorologist, so I can only do so much. That's awesome. <laughs> now, when you say you work as a meteorologist, do you work for a, a TV station or a radio station? No, or I used to. I used to work for the Weather Channel, but uh, mm -hmm. I work behind the scenes. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's all I can tell you. I, I think it's cool that you're a meteorologist. I can't even imagine. That's awesome. It's fun. So yep. how are the winters going to be this year? <laughs> or is it going to be cold, snowy? <laughs> well, well, it depends on where you are. So Indiana. <laughs> yeah, you might... It might be uh, it, it, there's an El Nino out there in the uh, in the Western Pacific and uh, I mean the Eastern Pacific and mm -hmm. um, it 
typically means a milder winter. Woohoo! Um, so I'm ready. Um, <laughs> yes. So let's hope for that. Yes. So everybody, go on Amazon, look for these books. You won't be disappointed. It's amazing. And remember, if you want a reading, you need to contact him for your pets. But he is booked to 2024. So, Rob. Thank you with all of my heart, and I hope our paths cross very soon, and I'm going to have you back after your book is out. That sounds wonderful. I, re- I really appreciate it. I, I can't tell you how much I love talking with you. Oh, I love talking <laughs> with you, too. I think you're amazing. I hope we, yeah, like you, I said, we have to meet at some point. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, our, our conversations are like talking to an old friend that lives in another state, and that's yeah. pretty much what we are. Yeah, we need to have dinner and a drink and keep the ghost away. Exactly. Sounds good to me. Well, thank you again. You're welcome, Tom. I'll talk to you soon. Have a good night. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.